The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Hey there, Sam and Steven here. You're about to listen to our very first podcast episode ever. We had almost no planning and very little idea of what we were doing. It's enjoyable, but rough. Much like George Lucas, we really hit our stride on episode three. Uh, If you're craving Swissy goodness immediately and don't want to wait for us to figure ourselves out, go ahead and listen to that episode now. However, if you want an intimate peek at the very beginnings of this podcast and other possible names for the podcast, keep listening. Either way, we hope you enjoy and may the force be with you. Welcome back to the 296th annual uh, Kashyyyk Hollow Chess Tournament. Uh, <laughs> we have our uh, our leading champion, Carl uh, Kvart, who is uh, currently shredding <laughs> the limbs off his opponent. And honestly, I've never seen a Hollow Chess Tournament with as many... Uh, <laughs> casualties? <laughs> casualties as this one. Uh, what, what would you say? Uh, Glib Narble? Well, um... Thank you, uh, Sars Bardis. Glib, tell me, you've been in the game for 29 years, and what can you say about Hollow Chess, especially how it's played in the Wookiee division? Well, I'll tell you something, Sars. Uh, Wookiee Chess might as well be a totally different form of Hollow Chess. This is this is not a mere division. This is a tradition. This, this is a way of Hollow Chess that is not seen in any part of the galaxy. You see, violence is actually a core component of the game when it comes to the Wookiee division. On Kashyyyk, it's not only about brains, it's also about brawn. That's all the time we have today, folks. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollow Chess News Network. Up next, whatever else is going on. <laughs> Thank you and hail the Empire. If you're just joining us now from the Hollow Chess Network, uh, I'm Sam uh, Dar- Darvless of the... Uh, Cor- Coraband system. Um, I'm just Steve. This of- is <laughs> of, of a normal ass person. <laughs> I'm 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 not. Sam's in the Star Wars universe. I'm not. Like, oh no. well, you know, you get inside peek. You no, know, if you, if I need to make a persona for this, you should have just said so. I, I would have had one more cup of coffee had I known I had to be this creative. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, it's just a podcast. I don't have to be creative. Well, you know, you told me it was going to be all natural. <laughs> it and, is. Okay. I think it is. This is natural for me. <laughs> you know, you're a fucking goon. So. <laughs> um, Steven, I, is this just going to be me making fun of you for 30, 40 minutes? That's what works. That's what works. I'll, I'll trim the fat. It'll yeah, be, it'll, of course. it'll just be the punchy parts, you know? You'll, you'll edit it so I just look like a terrible don't, asshole. Don't you'll worry. All the laughter. Audacity will help me edit the sound of my heart shattering every time you take a blow to my personality. Some glass <laughs> Some anime shit. It's Sunday as yeah. we're recording this. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen you since Monday when yeah. we do our other non-related Podcast, uh, not the podcast, tabletop stuff. Yeah, Pathfinder 2E. Yeah, Shout well, we're not gonna. Fuck, no, fuck, oh. no. <laughs> no, you know what? I actually like Paizo. I love Paizo. They're fucking awesome. Better than Watsy. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, what the fuck? Thanks, Watsy, for not <laughs> getting mad at us. <laughs> Watsy. See, that? I never heard anyone say Watsy until Watsy. I listened to Order 66. I'm so sorry. Well, um, I've heard other people say Watsy. Really? Yeah. That was the first time. And I figured, I was like, fuck, if people were saying it in 2008, then they must have been saying it. A long time. Um, I wouldn't know, though. This is a Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing game podcast. Not a podcast, not a live play podcast. No. A podcast specifically about the role-playing game. We don't have time game. for that. 
It's a Star Wars Saga Edition um, right. podcast. This is going to sound a lot better when I trim it. And yeah. it's actually trimmed. Yeah, no, we keep just going down rabbit holes left and right. Um, we're here to discuss the, the the game that is Star Wars Saga Edition. Steven, what makes you qualified to host the Star Wars tabletop podcast? That's a great question because I actually have no qualifications whatsoever. Except I've been playing Star Wars Saga Edition for more or less five years or so, on and off here and there. Um, I last year, right, I completed a long form campaign of level one to level twenty uh, with some of my very best friends. Um, I've been engaged with the community on Reddit and on Discord. I've written several guides and other supplements for Saga Edition, the most notable being the Hexcrawl Guide, uh, where I, I lay out a, a rules framework that's that's much older than, than me that was developed for early editions of, of D&D. But I, I apply it to, um, to Saga Edition with some nice Star Wars flavor for adventures centered on exploration in the wilderness and in the deep space. Of the Star Wars universe. And you may have seen uh, Steven's Leveling Up 101 page oh, yes. on the Wikia, which is probably his most famous piece of work ever. <laughs> More famous than this podcast will ever be. I think it's the fourth uh, biggest page on, on the Wiki. Actually, you know, hey, he's not cut, counting. Yeah, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't check that beforehand, actually. I'd, see, this is why I don't belong here, because I'm, I'm a chronic hyperbolizer and an editorializer. It's okay. Um, I um, make up knowledge, and I'll, then I make up an opinion about that knowledge, both of which are, are false and fake. I'll put a disclaimer at the beginning that sounds like Master Yoda, where he's like, mm, experts we are not. <laughs> Listen to us, you should, at your own risk. <laughs> like Something like that. I don't know if that's that might be too bad. Maybe, maybe that's just admitting defeat from the get-go. <laughs> hey, well, as long as we don't get in tr- legal trouble, that's the thing. <laughs> For sure. But, um, but yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's a difference between not being an expert and just outright saying things you know you don't know. Well, as long as you admit you don't know anything <laughs> at the beginning, then it's okay. <laughs> Big point being leveling up 101 was my first contribution to the, the, the Star Wars Saga Edition Wikia. The leveling up 101 guide was fun because, um, you know, like most TTRPGs of its time, there's a lot of good, important information spread out across entire 200 yep. page books. And, um, you know, when I was trying to teach the system to other people, which is a whole fucking game on its own, I, I found that, you know, I, the information they needed was not in one place. It was many. So making a nice, cohesive, one-page, step-by-step guide on how to make a Swissy character was, one, surprised I was the first one to do it, at least on the on the Saga Edition wiki. Um, I'm sure the old forums had stuff like that. And then, and then two, I can't remember what I was going to say for two. So... <laughs> That's um, fine. So... The show is going to have a bit of a formula. Yeah. I was just listening. This is our first episode, so not so much at the moment. No. But we're hoping down the line we'll refine it and like spin this wool into yarn. Oh, that's uh, a good proverbial. metaphor. Okay. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no, fine. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Steve. I yeah, appreciate it. I mean it. Um, I meant that. <laughs> I've got written down on the back of my napkin. Oh, yeah. Um, the aforementioned napkin of, of time. Of a couple names. For uh, our oh, show, yeah, I want to hear in what our podcast. Yeah. I've got three on the napkin. I've got a few on my phone. Which okay, thankfully, cool. is in my pocket, I have so none. I don't have to go. Oh, well, then, then, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't have to go look for my phone. Cool, cool. Um, I've got the dark times question mark, which you kind of let's let's break that one down a bit. Yeah, it's my it's probably my favorite time period. Absolutely, in too. Star Wars, easily. It's one of my favorite lines in A New Hope. It's a very good before line. the dark times, before, before the, the empire. empire. Love that scene. Great scene. Yeah, shout out Alec Guinness. 
Absolutely. I did you see where people were talking about like how so he was not a big fan oh, yeah, of no. the role afterwards. No. And you see people talking about like why would he be so negative about it? Like Star Wars gave him his career. And it's like, yeah. are you sure? Like the dude yeah. was a very well known established. <laughs> like really, really established. Like not of our time or even really our parents' time. But like this, really good actor. this is a very famous, legendary actor, and you know that that's kind of the thing. I, I it's it's all that you know, Star Wars fandom is plagued with clickbait bullshit. Oh, yeah. you know, like everything else. But um, I, I hate the the super the like. Did you know that Alec Guinness hated Star? Like everyone fucking hated Star Wars in the seventies, <laughs> yeah. man. All those old school, like really, like you know, thoroughbred high tier actors. Fucking hated it because it was George Lucas who was, you know, kind of the asshole of the film industry at the time. He was mm-hmm. super indie. He hated the, the, the union and everything. And no one had faith in him or his story because it was kind of stupid. We can't forget George Lucas, just a little stupid. And, you know, the, that's what makes him one of the greatest creators of all time is because he didn't let that stop him. <laughs> <laughs> and we should take that advice going forward. Exactly. You know, we should, that, that inspires me. <laughs> To continue speaking into this microphone. Um, so, Dar- I, I like the name. You don't like the name. And that's fine. See, it's- I like... I, it's now that I... This Steven. This Steven today. Not the Steven that you told that like a week ago or whatever. Um, I... I like it without the question mark. Oh, well, yeah. The question mark was not a mandatory... Oh! You thought the question mark was a mandatory yeah. part of the title? Yeah, yeah, no! Yeah. Oh, well, no, I like that if we just drop the question mark. Oh, the, just dark, the Dark Times. The Dark Times. Yeah, the Saga what, Edition podcast. Exactly. I want you to tell me what you were trying to achieve with that question mark. The question mark was for me. <laughs> like, The Dark Times? Maybe? Oh, like, as in, like, maybe that could be our name. Yes. I thought The Dark Times <laughs> was the name of the podcast, and I was like, Sam, that's so... Why would it be a question <laughs> You didn't never said you never mentioned the question mark before. That's true. I never told you that my problem with it was the question mark. Well, that my problem with it was the question mark. Well, I've got some other names yeah, anyway. Let's hear, let's hear the rest of them. I've got Swissy S W I S S Y. Yeah, see, that's I always wanted to do something with that. Swissy, a Star Wars podcast. Now, I'm it, it's it's got SEO optimization. You know, yeah. well, actually, let me look. Let me look. Hey, what, what is SEO optimization? Search engine optimization. Oh, yes. Yeah, I said optimization. Yeah, yeah. It's like ATM machine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, God. So, let me let me look. So I googled Swissy, and I got the Greater Swiss Mountain Dog. Now, do you think we could? Well, dogs are pretty likable, Stephen. Dog. It's going to be hard to outdo dogs. It's going to be hard to outdo dogs. They have a lot of uh, search aggregate uh, uh, cookies. I don't know how the internet works. <laughs> I do, but you know, not like. <laughs> I don't know how to use the internet to sell something. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why there's people for that job who we're not going to be able to contact no. or have any sort of connection with whatsoever. No. Um, now, the life expectancy of this dog is 10 to 11 years. Now, if we can outlast that, then we're good to go. So there's just one dog <laughs> is what you're telling me because I was well, envisioning on several. A- on average, all the dogs. Because this was a breed, right? Or this like, is a breed, yes. Okay, yeah. So- no, it's not a dog named Swissy. Yeah, okay. But... There's nothing else out there named Swissy. Oh, no, I'm wrong. There's Swiss Run Swissies. It's a website about the mountain dog. Okay. So our main competition is is one dog that will be dead in 10 years, <laughs> is what you're telling me. Let's go. Let's continue. Uh, join me in this menagerie of fun and whimsy. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the menagerie, dude. I'm, I'm so on this. Absolutely. 
So I've got a I've got a keep notes file on my Android phone. Uh, me too. I love, uh, I love keep Google Keep Google Keep. Um, it says it's called Star Wars Saga Edition podcast name ideas. Mm-hmm. First one is forced to roll. I like that. I do forced to roll like that like that meme. Like um, no. born to shit, forced to come or whatever. <laughs> born to shit, born. To- no, it's born to shit, forced to wipe. That's born what it to is. Shit, forced to roll. Yeah, <laughs> forced to roll. I oh, because forced like Star Wars. Oh, Stephen. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's okay. Um, maybe maybe that one's lower on the list. Then. Uh, I've got. Oh, this one sucks. I got pre-rolled destinies. They, they, still like dark times. The best. problem is they call them pre-generated characters, not pre-rolled characters. Yeah, you only say pre-rolled characters if you're talking to a twelve-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, this one. This one sounds nice. I got yeah. encounters with the force. That's a good one. I like it's that. a good one. Yeah. Um, but it sounds more like an actual play podcast. Yeah, a lot of these sound more like either more general Star Wars podcasts or um or or an actual play podcast. Which I mean, it's fine. You know, we can sound. They can be disappointed when they click on us all they want. <laughs> The disappointment will not go down anymore the more they listen, though, because they'll go right in knowing that how disappointed they'll be. Uh, oh, come on. There's a million fucking Star Wars podcasts yeah, out there. Like, true, maybe true. A, little, a breath of fresh air. Oh, my God. It's not about the movies. It's not about what Daisy Ridley had for lunch on her Instagram or whatever the fuck they talk about on those things. It's about a game that's been out of print for over 10 years. Absolutely. And it's time for a revival. It, it really <laughs> is. No, that shit's been... Like I said, the Discord and the subreddit are like are popping off. Every day there's more people on there. It's amazing. And it's um, great. It's people good. learning too. It's not just the same old heads, you know, choking each other out over wording over one rule. It's, yeah. it's over there or asking questions like, how do I play? And how And that's yeah. what this is a well maybe over maybe. time. Maybe. This is more about just getting people uh kind of into it. You yeah. know, to drum up some more of that interest. And I'm yeah. excited to see where it goes. Me too. Um I've got another one. It's Rolled One, a Star Wars podcast. Okay, that's really good. Which I like that that's one. That's really, really I like good. that one. Rolled One. Oh, Rolled one. I like that a lot. Oh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good that's, contender. That's a, it might be number one for me. Really? Maybe. Wow. That's at least, it's at least tied with Dark Times. I like I liked Rolled One a lot. Rolled One. Um, yeah. And then I've got uh, 20 Parsecs, which... I like that, yeah. Would, you know, it's a... Yeah. If we, like... Fictionalized it a bit more and did like the outer rim radio host thing, which we I'm absolutely down which for. Which we could, we can do that. What was the name again? I already <laughs> twenty parsecs. Twenty parsecs. Yeah. No. Yeah. I like that. You like that? If we if we went like the the more fictionalized bend, I think twenty parsecs would be would be sick. All right. Yeah. Um, and then I've also got a question here. It says fake cantina names, maybe something like that, mm. like, like Zolbo's Grill. Zolbo's Grill. <laughs> Zolbo's Jesus Christ, you are so smart. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, but so if you like Rolled One, I uh, Rolled One's really good. Rolled One is I, I thought it was good. I looked up Rolled One and eh, the SEO isn't quite there. But if I put Rolled One podcast. Star Wars oh, or Rolled podcast, yeah. yeah, let's see. There's you rolled a one and roll one. Okay, so we kind of fit right in there. <laughs> oh, but oh, but roll one is also about the Star Wars role playing game. Mm. But it's a it's a live play podcast. Mm. Oh, is that the Fantasy Flight? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I I reckon it's Fantasy Flight. Um, we should get we should like as our first guest. It should be someone who like believes that game is good. Fantasy Flight. Yeah, and I debate like, me. Yeah, yeah. We should do like a we should do like a debate me thing. Well, the problem is I haven't played Fantasy Flight. Neither have I. It doesn't mean I can't say it's. <laughs> Bad bullshit and bad. But, I mean, 
let's let's do a little breakdown of why I don't no, personally cut, cut this. No, no, Watson's had this a long time coming, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Two words. Two words. Why I don't like Fantasy Flight, uh, Star Wars. Yeah, I know what you're gonna say. Um, proprietary dice. dice. <laughs> yeah, no, that that should be illegal. Like it should be. It should that violates it's like the Warhammer of dice. Yeah, it's like that. Like. Violates international law, I'm pretty sure. And if it doesn't, it should. The Geneva Conventions should have an addendum regarding proprietary dice in tabletop games. There there is one good thing. Okay, I have one good thing to say about Fantasy Flight that I heard. Okay, go ahead. Um, Those funky little dice that you pay like 13 bucks for for a little... 15. Yeah, 15 Oh, man. Okay. Okay, one good thing to say about Fantasy Flight. Um, I've heard that those funky little dice put a lot of narrative control in the hands of the players. Which is honestly awesome. Um, a good player should do that anyway, mm-hmm. obviously, at least, you know, in my humble opinion. But the fact that it's, you know, written into the rules to do that, kind of like downtime and yeah. Pathfinder, um, I, I love that. I think it's awesome. Where, where if you roll well enough or roll a certain way that the player actually gets to make the narrative call, I think that's super cool. And but I, and I also think that comes down to DM style as well. Yeah. I think that's what people like fifth edition for mm. is they definitely. <laughs> no, I was just speaking behind my Dr. Pepper. The people like 5th edition for is the narrative freedom it gives players. Because you can just go around and reskinning whatever you want. Yeah. Do whatever you want. And that's mm-hmm. fine. And some people like that. And some people think that the system leaves more to be desired uh, beyond that. Which is why we've got Paizo doing Pathfinder 2nd edition stuff like that. So good. And... And I... Yes, I'm per- I also am really enjoying 2nd edition so far. I, It's... You know, the base of the combat has been super streamlined, which is nice. But this isn't a second edition podcast. <laughs> what it comes down to, yeah. sounds like our two big contenders, yeah. are the Dark Times podcast and also uh, Rolled One, a Star Wars podcast. Have we Googled Dark Times podcast? There is a Dark that's, Times that's, that podcast, like... but they have not posted since like 2020. Oh, then we're, 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 we're good. Swoosh, we're good. We can swoosh right that was in. Almost two years ago. Like we're... We can swiss right in, even. Yeah, uh, I, I kept holding back from saying swissy because I'm so used to saying swissy, but I'm not sure how many other people out there would say swissy. So swissy stands for, it's S W S E. Yeah, it stands Star for Star Wars Saga Edition. Yes. For those who don't know. Yeah. Um, are we like, we'll, we'll say Swissy. If they know what we're talking about when we say Swissy, then we can just say Swissy. I think it's going to be in the description for the, yeah. for every episode. Yeah. Like Swissy. Mm-hmm. Or, and like the phonetic pronunciation right afterwards. There you go. I can see that. We'll, we'll change the world. Oh my gosh. One. My final message. <laughs> change the world. Obi-Wan before he gets cut down by Darth Vader. <laughs> change the world. My final message. I, I think by the end of this podcast, we have to decide between okay. those two. And, I'm I'm leaning towards Dark Times only because it sounds like the rolled one market's a little saturated over there. It was, it was roll one, yeah, and then rolled a one, mm-hmm. and then and we're right in the middle with rolled roll one. one, roll. But it has to have the su- the subtitle also. Rolled one, rolled one, one. a Star, Star Wars, Wars podcast. podcast, Star Wars role playing podcast. It just says a Star Wars podcast. Okay. It can be a role playing podcast. Yeah, I mean, maybe a right? Star Wars TTRPG podcast. Yeah, that might be too long. That might be. That's quite a mouthful. Um... I think maybe, yeah, maybe just keep it short and sweet, Star Wars and, podcast. But, but at the end, of, if at the end of this time together, you decide that, no, dark times as it is, then that's fine also. Yeah. All right. Um, I've got next on the docket that you brought a build for me, or for us, right? I did. To I look did at, build break down. Um, it's actually hosted on the Star Wars Saga Edition uh, Wikia. Oh my goodness. Um, it's award-winning. Um, award-winning build, actually. build. Yes. This one. Is it by you? Yes. I Holy made this. Shit. I made this build. Oh, I'm looking up right now. What's, oh, tell me what it is. 
Well, um, you remember this this build. Its working title was Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. This is a Mandalorian. Um, she's very, very good at what she does. There was a couple of feats that just inspired this character. So the context is the Star Wars SAG Edition wiki will do, or they has did, done. has done, yeah. <laughs> they do competitions, yeah. build contests every once in a while. People vote on them by the community. And I believe this one was called Mandalorian. This was Honorable Mandalorian. Honorable Mandalorian. Yeah, it was a Mandalorian-themed build contest. Which everyone loves to make Mandalorian. So that's, that's, the, that's the thing. That, that is the dream. Exactly. From a Star Wars fan, from a young age, be a Mandalorian. Or a Jedi, yeah. if you're a cop. But yeah, you're, you're pretty much... Well, you know, we can talk about the three Star Wars fans there are. You know, either a Jedi guy, a, a Mandalorian guy, or... A, an or Empire or guy. Or an Empire guy. And, <laughs> they, they can't really sit with us, and they don't really want to. No. So, two... Two abilities um, inspired me to make this character. Uh, one is from the very good and very powerful Mandalorian warrior talent tree. And Mandalorian Advance, in particular, is uh, it reads, Veteran Mandalorians know how to move on the battlefield. Once per encounter, on your turn, you can move up to your speed as a free action before any other action. And when I first read that, I was like, that's just fucking stupid. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I was, I was like, like <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's other talents and feats that do something similar, where you get extra move, or you move more squares. Yeah. What was your, so what did you, what was the, that was, that's your base, right? Yeah, that was my base. I saw that and I was like, that's so good. Like, that's literally a free action to move up to your speed before any other action. I mean, that, that effectively grants you an extra move action on Mm. your turn. Because, you know, say on average your enemy is one move action away. That's typical. You can get that out of the way already with Mandalorian Advance. And that's no matter what your build is, no matter who you are, of course. That's good. It's it's definitely good if your enemy is trying to retreat from you. Absolutely. like that. 100%. Great to just, you know, especially if you're a melee character, just move right there, beat face immediately. It's also good to help circumvent to do, to get the sort of flanking bonus. Yeah, absolutely. Of, from being behind the enemy as yeah, well. Yeah, because maybe you run nice. up with the free action attack and then use that extra move action to get to behind them for your buddy yeah. to run up to awesome. them and take their turn. So, you know, I, I could sit here all day talking about how to use Mandalorian Advance. Um, and then, you know, another favorite talent tree of mine. Um, one maybe a little overlooked, maybe a little underpowered, but the, the rocket jumper talent tree. Um, fantastic. Uh, improved trajectory. Uh, it, it grants it increases your fly speed when using a jetpack by two squares. So I was thinking in my brain, you know, I was doing my little napkin math in my head, and I was like, wait, hold on. So with a jetpack, improved trajectory, and Mandalorian advance, could I get a really zippy Mandalorian soldier? And turns out, yes, you can. You know, and this makes sense. We see in in the in the broader Star Wars fiction. Mandalorians always be flying around with jetpacks and, and smacking shit really hard. It's it's just what they do. So so using a jetpack counts as a move action or Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the wording is a little is a little clumsy. But with so prerequisite to improve trajectory is jetpack training. Yeah. Uh, and that lets you activate a jetpack as a free action on your turn. Mm-hmm. And you also do not need to make pilot checks when operating a jetpack. So a- having a jetpack activated Gives you a fly speed yes. of, was it six squares at eight squares? I think it's six squares with six improved squares. trajectory, eight squares, of course. But yeah, it's uh, right here. So this is the base text for jetpack. This is assuming you don't have jetpack training. Um, activating a jetpack is a swift action, and you gain a fly speed of six squares until the end of your turn. Okay. So uh, we've already discussed these couple talents and how they, how they interplay. But basically, after you have improved trajectory and Mandalorian advance, uh, you're looking at spending a free action to activate your jetpack. 
you gain a fly speed of eight squares, and then an additional free action to just move. Wow, that is 16 squares of movement in one turn if you're not counting. Yes. That is... Well, you can also give your attack action for a move and make that 24. Exactly. That is... I like it. I so, like it a lot. good. You understand the relationship that inspired me to make this build. Absolutely. Now, let's make it a little a little fucking lethal. Let, let's let's get really advanced for a second with a What level what level is this build? Oh, sorry. This build this build is level 10. Okay, so that's not, that's good. You get into the get into the prestige classes around there. Yeah. And, and I think 10 oh, is ahead. probably where the prestige classes start to pick up momentum. Except for, of course, uh, independent droid, which you get level four if you're three thinking. or no four. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out. So good. You you understand what what is implied by mm. these things working together. And I'm gonna I'm gonna show you one of my favorite feats uh, in the game. Uh, this is also, I believe, it, it feels again. I, I I feel like I'm calling everything overlooked. Maybe maybe that's true in a system this vast. But um, it's called. It's just a feat called strafe. It's just a simple, general feat from the Force Unleashed campaign guide. The special effect of of strafe it has a it has a normal effect where you can change a two by two into a one by four for uh, an auto for, for an auto fire attack. But the special text, and this is what really gets me going: if you are using a jetpack, you can use the strafe feat to make an auto fire attack against all squares you fly over. So, my dear Sam, imagine you are. Johanna Forto, the Valkyrie, famous Mandalorian bounty hunter. You take your big fucking gun, and she has a repeating blaster carbine. We can talk about that a little bit more later. It's got some important modifications on it. You fly high above the battlefield and simply just paint with your character token the squares which you wish to attack. You just rain hell from above on your poor, poor, poor enemies. So with... The, um, with strafe, is it a straight line or is it just, it says all squares you fly over. Huh. So you only need one standard action to make the attack. And then yes. you use your move action. Free in your move to just paint so the field. So 16, tentatively. Yeah. 16 squares. Yes. Of damage for an auto fire attack. In whatever shape you choose. In whatever shape you could fly. That's incredible. That yes. is really cool actually. Yes. Build. And you were talking about the, Repeating blaster carbine. Yeah. I did, I took a little peek. I see what you're talking about. Go ahead and explain what makes that a part of the build that just, the cream of the crop. It truly, this, this gun was practically made for this build. Um, this is the repeating blaster carbine from the Knights of the Old Republic campaign guide. Um, the text reads, the repeating blaster carbine is an auto fire weapon that functions best at short range. The repeating blaster carbine has difficulty hitting targets at longer ranges and is ineffective against distant targets. A repeating blaster carbine requires a power pack to operate, and after 30 shots, the power pack must be replaced. So it's a large rifle with a damage die of 3d10. This baby is auto-fire only and has a weight of 6 kilograms. Incredible. Military availability, of course. Um, This thing is a monster, and because it only makes auto-fire attacks... You're always going to be able to trigger strafe. Now, because normally with a weapon that does not make auto fire attacks, you have to use a swift action to change between single fire and auto fire. Yes, yes. Um, now, this does make a is a bit of a problem if you want to attack single targets. Um, this build is not for someone who wants to attack single targets. Let's talk about flood of fire. Yes, flood of fire <laughs> is a fantastic addition to her build, and overall, 
just something I think is really, really fun. So Flood of Fire is just another normal feat. This is from the Clone Wars campaign guide. Um, this is, this is a really good one. When you make an area attack with a weapon set on auto fire and you are proficient with that weapon, all targets in the area lose all dodge or deflection bonuses to reflex defense against auto fire attack. So fuck your dodge. Fuck your lightsaber defense. This is an anti-Jedi Mandalorian. This is pure Mandalorian yes. metal right here. That's right? what I love because, you know, Jedi, of course, any Jedi worth their salt is going to make heavy use of deflect in this game. This game emphasizes ranged combat. Jedi are the only sort of class that has access to an ability like deflect. It's amazing. Um, Johanna here says, fuck that. You know, uh, Jedi take half damage from modifier attacks even when they successfully deflect them. And Flood of Fire eliminates bonus deflection bonuses from lightsaber defense. Um, not to mention, you know, how annoying soldiers can be with dodge. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, well, so the only thing is the scout. The scout build with mm-hmm. the evasion talent. Yes. That's the only, like, flaw, like, the chink in the armor I'm seeing here. Yeah, of is, course. I mean, any, every build's gonna have a weakness. Exactly. Oh, and that's, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it's definitely something that I don't know if there's any way around it. It just makes you think about how to, the evasion talent, for those who don't know, is uh, when you're targeted by an area attack, you take half damage on a success or no damage at all on a miss. And I don't think there's anything in the game that mitigates that. Like, denies that evasion. I mean, I guess being, technically being... I mean, flat-footed. Being flat-footed might. I think think that's something we'd have, you'd have to rule as a DM. Yeah. I have to research the specifics on that a lot more, but it would definitely be very circumstantial. But yeah, no, scouts are, I mean, we can talk about, I'd love to do an episode on scouts. Oh, I think they're underappreciated. They are. The book doesn't sell them as well as it should. No, they're, they're truly, they're, they're basically, I mean, they're basically like an old school rogue, but, um, still. Scoundrel. Oh, yeah, Scoundrel's right there. That's, oh, man. That's why I love the, the Swissy classes break away from the traditional archetypes so much, Absolutely. I feel like. And it's, it feels so fun. But, yeah, no, Scouts, we, we can talk a lot about Scouts. So, we've got, so she's, she's, so we're talking about seven levels soldier. Yes. Three levels of elite trooper, which you see that damage reduction, which is nice. Yes. So you get what? One, one DR? Uh, one DR, which, hey, you know? One every attack is not bad. Sam, you played an elite trooper for quite some time. <laughs> I and did. With much enthusiasm. And shall I say, Chagrin, <laughs> you, <laughs> Loved reminding me. I was like, yep, uh, uh, Pulse was, was your character, a uh, 63 damage. And you were like, 62. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. And hey, you know, that might save your fucking life. Give an inch, take a mile. Yeah. Especially when it comes to DR. When the, when it's time to fight the big BBEG and he just fucking checks the whole party with a big spray of damage, that DR1, might leave you hanging in, and I think it, ha- I think it did. I think times. it had at least once. I mean, we were like for so long, it oh, had absolutely. to have. There were a few sessions where the DR1, like, definitely kept him on his feet. Yeah. Which was, you know, crucial to the build. And you're thinking, oh, DR1 lightsabers are immune to DR, which is fine. Or lightsabers can penetrate DR. Are they immune to the DR granted by Elite Trooper? Let's check. Let's find out. Yeah. Uh, DR. Oh, it does say lightsabers ignore damage reduction unless specifically noted otherwise. Yeah. Let's so check Elite Trooper. I was just looking. It just says DR1. It doesn't say anything special. It, has nothing, it says nothing about Jedi? Nope. says nothing about Jedi. I'm okay, well then, yeah. Then lightsabers do ignore that DR. But who fucking cares? Well, that's a lightsaber. I mean, <laughs> you know, depending on the campaign, of course, like, you know, more like Old, Old Republic, Republic era, that's a big problem. But, you know, something like Dark Times where we like to hang out, going to be a rare one. That's going to be a... 
that's going to be like the the big reveal of like the the BBG's Dark Apprentice and the Red Lightsaber Ignites and the choral music starts and, and all your soldier party members are like, oh no, yeah. my shield rating and my DR <laughs> are not going to be super helpful in this boss fight. Oh, I, but I got my heart pumping all over the place listening that. Uh, yeah, well, that's the point, Stephen. It's, yeah. it's you know we're here to inspire not only the audience but ourselves. Yeah, and maybe I'll get off my ass and do some more DMing. <laughs> I think with that, you're I I want to encourage you to do less not do less DMing but just do less prep work I mean yeah, you you know the characters we have and just Eurus alone is, oh, is enough to center a whole campaign on I'm, so I'm, I, I like to think I'm pretty good no. at improvising when it comes to some DMs have their play style some DMs oh, like to over prep and stuff like that yeah. and I think the problem was is that the session started online and yeah. it was on a remote uh, a remote campaign for a bit, yeah, yeah, and that definitely for for DMs who have done remote uh, play and stuff like that, they definitely understand the amount of prep that you feel compelled to put through. Because when you're in person, it's like I've, I pulled out the whiteboard and I've drawn a map on there. That's yeah. one thing, whatever yeah. you know. Pull the d6s for enemies and everything like that. When it's online, you're your brain is like, I have to have tokens for all these enemies. Yeah. They have to have unique names, everything like that. I have to have a map with tokens that change the map, how the map works. And sometimes that's awesome. Sometimes that's really cool and it will provide great story moments, but also sometimes it's just a lot of stress on the DM. 100%. I think we could do a whole episode on like the differences and then transitioning between um, online uh, DMing and, and in person because Absolutely. you're right. It, it's, you know, online it was. Even more of a job than than oh, yeah. already is. Um, it was practically like a full time, like another part time job. Seriously, like I would sit down. I, I was sitting down and and like when I was you know running our campaign for the portion of it that was online for more than a, a year, at least two thirds of the whole run. No, we finished online, didn't we? We did finish. We online. We did. Never mind. So that was like ninety percent of the campaign. Well, it didn't uh, feel like ninety like five. Well, I, I I put it closer to like a sixty forty split. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's probably more what it is. But yeah. No, I was spending six five hours a week on just trying something to f- that's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. On one, and that would be one big encounter, and you know that's just inefficient. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So that's then, why the return to in person has really improved things for me, at least in that in that realm. Yeah. Though the the next campaign I'm going to run will probably be online only. Well, because you're doing. Uh, very uh, not to get any spoilers in it, or out of you or anything, but it's going to be a lot of space combat. Things. Yeah, no, I actually wanted to talk about um, this this campaign actually pretty openly on on the show, uh, just because I think it's a fantastic idea and I want to share it with people. Absolutely, I'm I'm always happy to hear about it. Um, so so this is this campaign I call Zero Distance. Um, I've seen the I've seen the little yeah, logo I, he's I, made. That's fucking he's so proud of it. It's so cool looking. I, I, this is what I do. Is I, I I don't know what part of me this is. Maybe maybe it's a little bit of artistic creativity. But I will for me somehow the the branding, the logos, the presentation of a campaign <laughs> is equally important to me. Sometimes more important to me than the actual content of the campaign. Well, Disney sure thinks so. <laughs> You're damn right. Um, yeah, so I sat down and put like two hours into designing this nice Star Wars style logo for, for this campaign. I have most of it written out. Um, I actually, like, we, I went through that really bad breakup and I threw myself <laughs> into Saga Edition for a good while there. Like, I, months and months, I was doing nothing but writing for Swissy. Uh, and this was 
awesome. You know, and I'm sure it was cathartic in oh, a way. Yeah, you know, with the way my life was back then, I wasn't really able to invest as heavily in this game as I wanted to. We use fiction as a source of like trauma, uh, like coping. Yeah, it was a nice like escape um, and, and a form of coping. And, you know, I was able to come back around and everything's fine now. But seriously, it was, it was everything to me. So I, I've written out which is probably a good, it was meant to be about three months worth of sessions. Uh, and it's ballooned. That's one a week. Right? Yeah, okay. one, one a week, assuming. I'll, you know, I'll probably run it every other week. Now it's probably about five months. Um, still, that's if we ran one a week, but we won't. Maybe. And it follows, the, the party is a crew um, aboard a rebel starship. I won't say the name of the not, starship or anything. Not, not unlike the Ghost or the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, think more like, like a, a frigate-sized okay. rebel So starship. bigger, so bigger than the this, Ghost. Yeah, this campaign, way bigger than the Ghost. Think more like, um, oh, is there a name to MBLMB in the, in the movies? Um, I don't think I so. I don't think so. Well, the, the sh- that's the ship that Admiral Akbar was the head of, right? No, that's the home one. That's a, that's oh. an, a Mon Calamari cruiser. That's like an MC-80B or something. But no, it, this is like a, a larger, think around along the lines of like a, um. Like an aircraft carrier. Yeah, versus... like an aircraft carrier. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, I could tell you the name of the ship or no, the no, type no, no. it is, but I will not. Um, so think, yeah, you're, you're rebels stationed aboard a, a fighter carrier, uh, pretty much at the height of the Galactic Civil War. Um, I'm thinking not, Terribly long after the destruction of the first Death Star. So, oh, wow. So yeah. we're talking like maybe two, three BBY. Yeah. We're seeing kind of a more mature, more militaristic, more organized, better funded Rebel Alliance. This is like an, what, what was ragtag Rebels to now like an actual organized military operation. And the party will be tasked, uh, along with the crew of that ship, of delivering a very special cargo from one end to the of the Outer Rim to an undisclosed location on the opposite side of the outer rim. And there's going to be adventures and misadventures and, and conflicts um, in there. I have the, um, I, I really want to focus, I kind of want to make it a little Star Trekky, for lack of a better word. Like, as much as I want to focus on just the awesome, high-flying, high-octane Star Wars dogfighting action, um, I also want to emphasize, like, the relationship you have with your crew and your captain. I'm going to be using the organization rules from both Force Unleashed and Galaxy at War um, to maintain, like, a military rank within the party. I like the can... organization rules, by the way. Really, it's, really they're cool. so interesting. My only problem with them is that Star Wars as a whole has a really loose definition of, like, military rank yeah. all over oh, the Oh, yeah, place. no, it's completely over the, all over the place, <laughs> which is, you know, fine. You know, it's not hard to make it solid at our table. And that's what I'll be doing. Absolutely. I, I have, there's a high, even in Galaxy of War, it's a little loosey-goosey as to, you know, what names go where and how they relate to the real world ranks. But the, there's a whole paragraph that basically says, hey, we know this is weird bullshit. Just make it work. Like, <laughs> which, you know, you could stamp that on the cover of every Swissy book, actually. Uh, believe it. Like, every Saga Edition supplement should come with that disclaimer. But I think yeah. that should be disclaimed on the back of every, like, movie. They yeah. Also. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially now. But, so... When you said, you know, the, the relationships between members of a crew, yeah. my first thought was Alphabet Squadron. Yeah. Now, was that a big inspiration? Huge. <laughs> Huge. Um, there was a time in my life not long ago where I was reading the Alphabet Squadron books, well, audiobook, but same, same fucking difference, and playing Squadrons, um, which I love. I'm not like a flight sim guy, but I've always wanted, I think everyone's always everyone's wanted always dreamed the of- new good Star Wars flight sim ever since like X-Wing in the 90s. Absolutely. And that story was, the campaign was, was pretty good. You know, it wasn't, uh, it didn't make me shit and cum, but it, it was, <laughs> it didn't blow my mind. 
But no, no, no I want to keep shit going. <laughs> <in there. laughs> um, but no, it was good. It was it was classic. It was kind of open ended, and, and it definitely let like left room for a sequel, which you know personally I don't think we'll get, but not related to what we're talking about. Yeah, so so the X Wing games, squadrons, Alphabet Squadron, huge building blocks for this campaign, and. Uh, you'll, I mean, you know, if, if you play it, and I very much hope you do, um, you'll see the through line. It's totally meant to be Stevie P's Star Wars Squadron Simulator. And that's Absolutely. what I want it to be. But but the other aspect of this, something I want to emphasize to the players who end up playing it, was that it, it's, you know, I don't want five to six hotshot pilots. I don't think anyone wants a party like that. I have a whole small guide written up for this campaign. It's just a few pages. Like, you know, think about, like, the deck officer. Like actually, can I pull it up right yeah, of now? Of course you okay, can. Cool. Yeah, I, I was, have. I was gonna ask. Yeah, um, I, I have a little. So you have what, like, like uh, player guidelines for what kind of? It's like a setting guide. Like a setting. Yeah, guide. Okay, I, yeah. I have. I have all the classes listed out, and then just a few words, bullet points for what kind of character I would want to see in this campaign from that class. Yeah, sure. Um, as much as you'd like. Please. Yeah, yeah. I just need a bit to find it. The soldier pilot fills very much the same role as they would in any other theater of war. A hardy weapons specialist and tactical coordinator, they excel as ace pilots, skilled gunners, and leaders in the field. The scout pilot is a rugged survivalist, proficient in evading trouble and capable of bouncing themselves and their war machines back from the brink of destruction. The scout can make miracles happen with a handful of scrap metal and rations. The noble pilot is a highly trained strategist and manipulates the battlefield like a chessboard. The disciplined naval officer, the charismatic squad leader, and ingenious starship engineer all excel as nobles. The scoundrel pilot is a disruptive and elusive force to be reckoned with. When smirking and bribing fail, the scoundrel uses sabotage, misdirection, craftiness, and wit to outmaneuver their opponents. The Jedi pilot is a rare and oftentimes mythical figure. The true Jedi have long since faded away under the Galactic Empire, but adherence to their legacy remain. A Jedi pilot may be a skilled young hopeful who is burdened with a latent gift, a ritualistic shaman from an obscure world, or a destitute survivor of a bygone era with a deadly secret. Chills. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Goosebumps for real. Thank you. And go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that's why I don't want anyone imagining a player for a campaign like this to just go to Luke Skywalker. Because I think, like, the, the aspiring young deck officer, you know, the, the hotshot mechanic who can just, you know, with a few wires and some gum can save a starship from destruction. And, of course, plenty of room for the ace pilot who just wants to blow shit up. And, we all love Luke Skywalker, but of let's course. let's be real about it. He's a bit of a Mary Sue in the yeah. sense that yeah, yeah, I used to soup up uh, these moisture farmers to to get catch videos of pod races or whatever. Like, yeah, just, he's that kind of character, but he makes up for it for his naivety and how he naivete naivety naivety. I think it's naivety. I think naiveness. It's friend. Yeah, naiveness <laughs> <laughs> for his um, because it's yeah, he's skilled as a character, but he's also innocent and doesn't understand the, the way the world is. Yeah. And that's, and that's an interesting part about it. Um, and as you were going through all those different, I don't know if anyone else has read Alphabet Squadron, please do. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I've yeah. read the first book. I've gone to the second book. So nice. Every single one, I was like, I know exactly which character that reminded me of in Alphabet Squadron. Right. So, and that's great. And I, I like it because it makes for an interesting, no, there's nothing wrong with a bunch of soldier pilots. Going no, out, no, you know, no. Deck officers, you know, who've, kind of been hardened through war together. Yeah. That's fine. But 
it sounds fun to play each of those characters, and which is the point. That's why I think about this in terms of, like, Red Squadron versus Alphabet Squadron. You know, we obviously don't get into the depths of Red Squadron quite like we do in, in the Alphabet Squadron novels, but, like, it's five white guys in orange jumpsuits. <laughs> and that's awesome. You know, it, everyone remembers the scene of the first attack on the Death Star. There's nothing better than that scene. But in a role-playing game, I think it'd be a lot more fun to play something a bit more Alphabet Squadron. You know, misfits who are skilled in their own niches. You know, complex and tra- traumatized people. You know, realistic soldiers of war. Different backgrounds and different ways of doing things. Exactly. All coming together under a common cause, which is the Rebellion. Yeah. And that makes sense, because that's just what it is. Absolutely. Very, yeah. I'm very excited to play because this sounds awesome. Yeah, those are the main thoughts I wanted to share about the campaign because you know the plot stuff is awesome, and we'll get into that when we play it. But I, I really want to talk about you know my thoughts making a campaign like this because I, I think it has the potential to do something really special, something that I think is is pretty unique to, to Saga Edition as well. I can't really imagine running a campaign like that in any other system unless you have ideas. But uh, I'm not familiar with sci-fi systems because oh, it's it's you know you got ship combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavily. heavily uh, focused on that, mm-hmm. but I don't know, you know, even stuff like D and D or Pathfinder Second Edition. Mm-hmm. They they there's a lot of focus on like mob units, yeah, and, like doing like scores of enemies. Mm-hmm. There's there's very little focus on vehicles. Yeah, uh, I think it's because vehicles traditionally in TTRPGs are kind of hard to make work. Very hard to emulate, and especially in sort of a fixed grid, yeah, one by one. Square, you know, dungeon crawl or anything like that. You're not going to have uh, a chariot being plowed no. through it or anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad we could talk about what it means to to be a DM and to, especially you know, I think the hardest part about, or maybe the easiest part about DMing Saga Edition is probably the setting. Yes, because on one hand, there's a lot there. And there's a lot that you've already, like, everyone knows. I I don't want to make assumptions, but everyone knows what Star Wars is. Well, you know, around. everyone knows Darth Vader and R2-D2 and Luke. Absolutely. And that's enough to play Saga Edition. Absolutely. It really is. You understand what those characters represent, where their places are in the universe. Yeah. And for some, for some DMs, that's relieving. It's a weight off the shoulders. They don't have to worry about having stuff like, oh, I don't know what the name of this planet is or yeah. anything like that. But at the same time... That could be limiting to some DMs mm-hmm. in a way where it's like, I don't have an idea where I want the players to go, and I don't know everything about all the planets in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And that gets to a point where it's like, okay, I throw you into a random planet. Now, what yeah. do you... That's a problem I have personally, dealing with trying to come up with stuff on the fly for a system that is... Our, for a setting that's so flushed out. Yeah. And what do you... so? Let's say hypothetically, astrogation problems. The party ship and exits hyperspace and a random part of like the mid rim. Yeah. What kind of planet would you, as a DM, place them on? Well, see, that's why that's a great question, and, and is kind of t- touches on a on a big issue, I think, with a Star Wars RPG. Um, that's why I love showing it to people because you don't have to communicate much about the setting at all. Almost everyone knows what Star Wars is. Um, on the other side of that too, is, you know, a lot of people are hesitant, um, to create and just make shit up. Game mastering is always going to be, and always has been about making shit up. And just because it's Star Wars, you shouldn't stop. 
people... I'm, oh, go ahead. Well, so, now that you mentioned it, it that mm-hmm. makes sense, because that's basically what they did through the 90s with the Empire at War. Exactly. <laughs> dark, uh, dark Forces, everything yeah. like that. They were just making shit up, and that's okay. The best parts of Star Wars fiction is when they were making new shit up. Like, uh, and maybe people will disagree with that, but it's it's completely true. The most memorable Star Wars moments are when we saw something new. Darth Maul's lightsaber is one of my favorite examples. Absolutely. Who doesn't fucking love Darth Maul? He's cool because he's new. <laughs> he's cool because he's completely outside of anything shown in the original trilogy. Absolutely. And I think Saga Edition is the perfect opportunity to do that. You know, in discussions online, a lot of people, you know, are really hammering the lore a lot. People say, no, 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 you can't have this in your campaign because Darth Crate was there in a paperback that came out in the 90s. And I don't really fucking care, is the thing. <laughs> like, like Saga Edition was never meant to be part of the broader Star Wars fiction. It isn't. It's a set of storytelling tools to make up your own Star Wars story. Like, fuck Wikipedia. Like, that's an important, vital resource for learning about Star Wars lore. Saga Edition is for writing your own Star Wars lore. And that's the beauty of it. You know, the best moments we've had playing the game are when I was just making shit up. Or when you were just making shit up. I, I agree. And then especially, I'll watch new Star Wars stuff or anything like that. Yeah. And I'll be like... Well, that makes the thing that we talked about six months ago not canon. And <laughs> that's true. That's true. And of course, I should I should uh, put a big asterisk next to what I'm saying. There's plenty of new Star Wars stuff that's god awful. <laughs> when I watched Rebels and I watched those Inquisitors helicopter their way along, I wanted to rip my eyes out of their fucking sockets. That was awful. Rebels is good, and in fact, the episode in which that happens it's is very good. <laughs> it's a mall episode. It's a mall episode. Yeah, but. And, you know, you say that about Rebels, and I haven't seen Visions yet. Yeah. I know you have. Oh, it's so good. But isn't there something similar happened in Visions? Vi- visions? Yes. And uh, vi- <laughs> you're talking about the Umbrella? The Umbrella. Yeah. yeah. That, no, that was... <laughs> see, that's a little bit different in Visions. Because Visions, I loved, because they sat down and they said, all right, fine. We're pulling out all the stops. This is an anthology series. None of this is canon. We're just going to let Japanese animators go fucking crazy. Which is something, the freshness I think Star Wars has needed for, you know, 20 years is to just say, fuck, you know, continuity, lore, who cares? Let's just tell a story with lightsabers in it. Because <laughs> let's be honest, most of us are here for the force, for the lightsabers, for the mysticism, and for the, the, the heroic journey, you know, the familiar story elements that make such a beautiful The thing. idea that impossible feats are possible because of not just sheer willpower, but some outside force that is propelling you towards those goals because it's what science fantasy you know we you're not supposed to say no and be grounded in star wars of course when star wars is grounded rogue one whoo that shit's good Ooh, you know i love rogue so one. i love War- i love rogue one as well yeah but i've heard so many people say they don't like rogue one uh, and i uh, and but they, they never really go into detail of why <laughs> they just say they don't like rogue one and but personally, it's it's a fun. It's fun. Yeah, it's got great characters. You can't deny it's not fun. It's got the new stuff that we don't see usually. It brought in. You know, we had um, what's the the droid's name? Oh, um, K two S O. K two S O. Love that. Chirrut is Chirrut. amazing. It's an incredible new character. Yeah, Star Wars that we don't see. We don't see non non Jedi Force traditions very regularly. And when in we Star do, Wars. we love it. Night Sisters with Asajj. Holy fuck! Who doesn't love Asajj? It was incredible. Yeah, and, uh, 
and it's great that they add those things, and it's nice when they go back and visit them. And it's it's sad that you know people feel that they're not able to do their own stuff or anything like that. They have to feel conformed to the normal Star Wars yeah um, formula. I guess to answer your original question. <laughs> Party experiences astrogation trouble. Say they're new to role playing, new to Star Wars. Um, I can't think of something. I don't. Maybe I don't want to think of something. I have to drop them on a random planet. And I'll go back to what I said when you first asked me. Just make shit up. <laughs> the planet Nert, <laughs> home to the infamous crime lord Bilgus Dubaga. He operates a rancor fighting ring and has contacted the party's vessel for intruding on his territory. There and he threatens to blow them out of the sky lest he they can best one of his rancors. Like that That's like, awesome. <laughs> it's like you just it's the same with D D. You know, and this is a kind of a line of thinking that helped me when I was first starting out with Saga Edition. You know, uh, think up of a think a fantasy thing, make up a fantasy scenario, and then translate it to Star Wars. It's easier than it sounds. Um the party arrives at the small town of Girthshire. And the Girthshire, and the, the local <laughs> lord has said they must pay a tithe to his church, lest they pass through to the next town. How could that possibly be Star Wars? Easy. Party arrives at a new spaceport recently opened up. Uh, that's the uh, that is operated by the Empire. That's charging a huge uh, import tax on the water su- supply brought aboard the ship. Um, the party ship is impounded on this crazy new water tax that's designed to, I don't know, rat out rebels or something. Um, and they either have to pay it or circumvent it somehow before they can leave. Like this shit, it's all the same, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like, I, I, I agree. And I, I like how you put into words like that. Um, definitely as someone who's probably not as confident in their recollection of Star Wars lore, then as you are or as anyone else we know is i it's one of those things where i'm like i'm worried about i'm stepping on eggshells sometimes yeah. when i'm handling the source material and, and you're telling me fuck the eggshells yeah no i'm saying <laughs> walk around them like just stomp on those fucking eggshells man turn them into dust like obviously your first instinct is to be hesitant with the star wars lore cuz you're holding this you know multi-generational epic tale that has touched you know Pretty much everyone on the planet, more or less. And it's it's and more than likely you have a deep special connection to Star Wars, as do I. We all do. Um, but when it comes to Saga Edition role playing, you know, uh, unless you're, of course, it's all about knowing your audience. If you're sitting down at a table with a bunch of super strict lore heads, then maybe it's time to tell a story that conforms to the the Star Wars lore, and that's. Easy to do also and very fun. You know, you can go all the way back to the Old Republic where things are a little more open. If you're of a certain age group, you can take things to the Legacy era where things are even more open. (laughs) I I think what you're saying is... um, Shit, I lost it. (laughs) What I'm saying is know your audience, but also don't worry about the lore. And a lot of it can be handled outside of the table. Of course. And it all comes down to... You know, the people you play with. Talking to your players, you know, what kind of campaign do you guys want? And more than likely, you're going to get like, oh, you know, I want to have fun with my friends on a Monday night. Absolutely. And that's ultimately what it's all about. You know, you might have a player that says, oh, I just finished the Thrawn trilogy. You know, I love something that is connected to Thrawn in some way. That's easy to do. 
for me, the lore is there to inspire. You know, I, for a long time, I made a big deal like, oh, it must perfectly fit on the Star Wars timeline or it's not worth playing at all. Like, no, that's a waste of time entirely. You know, tell a story that's fun and engaging and is exciting. And if you're worried about asking your players about that stuff, Google Forms. Yeah. It's been so helpful yeah, to us as a tabletop group. Oh, the, the, the decisions I've made because of Google Forms feedback. <laughs> yes, no. Um, talking to your players either through a survey or just, you know, asking them is invaluable to any game. You know, that, that applies to any, any role-playing game. Absolutely. At all. Absolutely. Um, and it's especially important here. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's that's my ultimate takeaway with with the importance of the lore in Saga Edition. I ultimately don't think it's important at all. I think it's an amazing source of inspiration. I've adapted stories from Legends to just play in the game. Like you remember, we had that uh, little adventure with Asherah Het. Yes, that character that was is awesome. So great, right? It's a it's a it's a very cool character that I didn't even know was Legends when yeah. you brought it up the first time. Yeah, and it definitely takes a, a little bit of a deep dive into. The Jedi as a whole. Yeah, and, and again, the story we told with Ashrod Het and Darth Krayt wasn't canon, conflicted with several major like plot elements uh, from from the his from normal the year, story, yeah, the timeline, yeah, from like the that. yeah, but um, but that character was interesting, and the concepts that he represents are fascinating. You know, at that point, the party was very much kind of opposed to the traditional Jedi Order, and so was Ashrod Het, but in a completely different way. And having him interact with the party, I think, really kind of, you know, we all got to walk away with some new contemplations on on the Jedi and the Force, and we got to fight a great dragon. So, gray Jedi are always a fun storytelling tool, because infinite space to tell a story with. Yeah, so that, I, I think that's actually a great example of how, you know, maybe if, if you can't use a story because of timeline, maybe use a character, or copy a character from the EU, and then bring them in. Um, because or reskin a character to suit your own needs, anything like yes, that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, th- th- that's a good example of what I mean when I say that the, the lore is there as, as inspiration because it, it's, it's fucking inspiring, dude. There's a lot of great Star Wars stories out there, and you know your your campaign need not conform to anything beyond what you think is fun because it's just a game. In the end, it is just a game. Yeah, and you're right. I I was thinking about this just now. Mm-hmm. What is like something? You know, Saga Edition has Star Wars as the setting. Yes. But what is something else about the system that makes it stand apart or that you feel is a is a good, um, just helps ground the system some more in a way that makes it more playable? That's an excellent, um, that's an excellent question. There's a lot of, I mean, as you know, I don't have to tell you, Saga Edition is very unique. It has a lot of very old and somewhat depreciated trappings of, of tabletop role playing at, at the time. Or of the time. Um, you know, it was kind of in that awkward space between 3.5 and 4th edition D&D. But I think it handles range combat elegantly. I'm not aware of another system from that time period that makes range combat as cinematic and just easy to understand. As Because, you know, up until that point, most people were role-playing with, you know, swords and shields and axes mm-hmm. and things like that. And very kind of meaty, in-your-face combat. Saga Edition doesn't do that. It's It's very... It almost, you know, demands patience at times. You, you know, got to really analyze the map. That's why, like, it makes great use of environments with cover and things like that, concealment, introducing kind of technological advancements like smoke grenades, how you can just toss one and instantly change the battlefield. Um, and, you know, it's it's a dead horse. But, you know, Saga Edition, in terms of just making a combat feel cinematic like a Star Wars movie, no parallel. Yes, in my opinion. and that reminds me of we had a, a session where our great Jedi character 
fought like an apparition of Anakin Skywalker, uh, like post Order sixty six, oh, like, yes, right yes. before becoming Darth Vader, and. They had a turn, it was like two turns, where it was literally like reaction after reaction after like, uh, reaction of like Star Wars, they kept Saber reposting. Lock, yeah. reposting and Saber Lock, yeah. and it's, in that way, the combat makes it feel so, cin- like you said, cinematic. Yeah, and absolutely. And I think they captured that really well. Yeah, no, it is, it is a action-y system, and it, it really tries to be, I really think it does. It's a little awkward sometimes where, um, well, I guess it's, it's somewhat mitigated. This is more of a comparison to second edition, you know, or Pathfinder second edition. We all love how attacks of opportunity are kind of rare in Pathfinder 2D, mm-hmm. and that's cool for its own reasons. Swissy, not so much, you know, almost everyone can make an attack of opportunity in Swissy, and a lot of critics will say that's kind of, um, that really hurts the mobility. And we've learned that in Pathfinder 2E, the mobility is really what makes that shit fun. But, you know, when you have like soldiers with rifles and, and things like that, it does open it up a bit more. And and just how you know Jedi with block and deflect, kind of your most mobile guy anyway, can just kind of say, yeah, uh, uh, like fuck you to your, to your attack of opportunity. <laughs> they definitely made attacks. Well, you know, in rifles, attacks mm-hmm. of opportunity can only be with rifles and pistols. Yeah, and only rifles with the stock folded. Uh, folded. Yeah, and so definitely, you know, all melee characters can make attacks of opportunity yeah. in Swissy, mm-hmm. and then. Range characters can with rifles and pistols mm-hmm. only from you know uh, adjacent squares. Yeah, yeah. But then they add stuff like ranged flank, which is really cool. Yeah. And then um, there's that's not the range attack opportunity one though. There's one that there's one that doubles the, the distance. Yeah. Yes. And it's like it lets you make attack opportunities at like a reach. At, yeah. Like, two squares. Yes, yeah, two squares, one, which so is really cool. cool. Especially at level one, the way the technology and the combat kind of play out. Like blaster rifles are lethal. Yeah. Three D eight damage. And all stormtroopers carry one to a level one player who might have maybe 15 HP. Like, that's lethal. You completely, you've, you've reminded me of one of my favorite things about Saga Edition is that it's probably my favorite level one system ever. A level one Saga Edition character is so fun because they can be anyone or anything. It's not like fifth edition where level one fighter more or less going to be the same. Yeah. No matter who you are. Which is, goes back into, it's all flavor at yeah. that point. And all that's flavor. fine. And that's fine. That's, that has its, uh, the, 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 there's people who prefer that. But the fact that, you know, any build at level one is viable and lethal. Like, you've done this really well. Um, Saga Edition is really difficult to balance, largely because, you know, there isn't a whole lot of handholding from, from the creators. Um, there's a great guide online, though, that I should share with you. I, maybe I already have. It's good. Who, who what, what kind is it? What kind is it? It, um, it brings, Pathfinder's XP budget encounter building system to Saga Edition. Oh. Written by the guy who designed it for Pathfinder. Oh. Um, yeah. Okay, that's really cool. Really cool. Um, just stumbled across it randomly. I wish I had it two, two, three years ago. But yeah, you've done this great. When, when someone learns how to balance Saga Edition, every encounter is nuts. So lethal. I mean, in your campaign, you brought us to the brink of death with pretty much every combat. And that is a good thing. That's good storytelling. You know, the characters in that party, we don't want to get in a fight. We're squishy as hell. We're pretty good at talking our way through things. And when things do break down and turn to a fight, it's a huge cost. And you're not, you know, you're not Jedi. You're not crazy, save the world people. Not at all. You're not the chosen group of people who's trying to, you're just trying to get by in a universe that is overrun with fascism and, and these sort of like, Harsh environments and places and people. And the kind of encounters Saga Edition allows you to create really facilitate that kind of storytelling really well, I think. Because, you know, session one, four level one party members 
might not survive their first brush with stormtroopers. And that's awesome. Even better, you know, later on, say by level five, six, seven, eight, you're you're crushing stormtroopers yes. between your fingers. You're, and that's yes. fun too. It's and I, I especially like that with what Sci Edition does is stormtroopers are like level zero. They're not even level one. Yeah, yeah. They're level zero. Yet they still wield blaster rifles and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because you can just kind of throw waves of them at people mm-hmm. uh, to a certain point and they'll either feel like they're having fun mm-hmm. or they'll feel like, hey, we're getting a little overrun, it's time to go. Yeah. And then also what the system has is like the um, group, what is it called? When you make a group uh, unit. Oh, the squads. Yeah, squads, squads are excellent squads for that purpose. You, you know, level 15 Jedi cutting down squads of droids and stuff. It's so, it is cinematic, like you said. Yeah. You swathe them. We watched Mace Windu do that pretty much every scene he appears in. <laughs> like, I think it was in Samuel Jackson's writing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look like a badass every time I'm on screen. Also, purple lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Have you ever seen that, um, some extras on, I think, the, um, Attack of the Clones DVD, where they have the actual footage of Samuel Jackson asking for a purple lightsaber. No. Oh, no, yeah, that, that exists. That's oh, a real thing. Gosh. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's him and George as they're like wrapping up after a scene or something. And George is like, so you want blue or green? And Samuel Jackson's, how about purple? I like purple. <laughs> and George is like, oh, I'll see what we can do. <laughs> That's definitely not it verbatim. Like someone's gonna fucking come at me like, "How could you lie about?" But yeah, no, it's um, that's really it's a definitely on YouTube. You should check it out sometime. It's great. Thank you so much, Stephen. This has been honestly way more fun than I could ever have imagined it of being. Sam, I have to agree. This was actually a fantastic conversation, not just about Star Wars role playing, but about storytelling and. And just kind of role playing as as a hobby, so I'm I'm very grateful to have stopped by. Well, I hope we can do this again sometime. And me too. Uh, whether it be in person or not, yeah. And you know, we're hoping next time to have maybe some questions from the subreddit or the Discord, anything like oh, that. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you have any questions or anything, you can post them on the sub on the Swissy. Is it just the sac- R slash Saga edition? It's R slash Saga edition. Yeah. If you go to R slash S W S E, there's nothing there except a picture of a woman in a bikini. Mm. Yeah. Well, don't go there unless yeah. you want that. Unless you want that, and then and then afterwards go to the R slash Saga edition. There's better subreddits for women in bikinis, though. Just in case you. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, it's the end of the show, and that means we have to choose a name for the show. <laughs> oh shit! Oh my god! I completely forgot. So our options were uh, World One, a Star Wars podcast, which I still really like, really and liked. also. Uh, the Dark Times, a Saga Edition, you know, podcast. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like we can't go wrong. We can't. Yeah. Right. And I, I, you, what you said earlier was there's already a few rolled one podcasts yeah, out yeah. there. And we don't want to get people the wrong idea like this is a live play or anything no, like that. No, um, I think Dark Times is probably where it's at. Let's do Dark Times. So you can find us on Twitter at, uh, well, not the at, but... Dark Times podcast. There's already a Dark Times podcast on there. That's not us. Um, they like- also haven't been active, so I'm going to snipe their ass and get their, <laughs> their Twitter account. We love you, by the way, whoever you are. Or, yeah, if you want to be on the show, Dark Times <laughs> podcast. I don't think they even have an episode out. I think it's oh, just really? a Twitter account. Well, then I, that's, I don't I feel, think it's Star Wars related either. I feel perfectly fine moving in. That's fine. That's yeah. We're going we're gonna- to make a nice little cozy home. Dark Times pod. Dark Times pod. All right. All right. Vapod. Vapod. Hey. <laughs> oh, no. Wait. Well, can it be the, the Vapodcast? The Vapodcast. <laughs> See, I don't hate that one either. 
but I think I like Dark Times more. <laughs> I think you promise you can't search just the podcast. Yeah, that's that's not gonna be searchable at all. <laughs> the Dark Times is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steven is my co-host here. You can find us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE, or you can email us at DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Um, thank you all for listening. Seriously. And any Star Wars quotes you want to end off with? Uh, uh, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. That's probably my favorite Star Wars quote. It is my quote. favorite Star Wars quote. Yes, no, that, that whole scene, that monologue with Yoda is, I think, like, Star Wars. Oh, 100%. most essential form. But, 100%. Uh, it's the end. And that's, what, gonna... that's episode two? That's Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I was thinking about Yoda talking to the younglings. Oh, that's another good one. Um, I love that scene, because Yoda's like, mm, shitbag Obi-Wan has lost his fucking planet. How embarrassing. <laughs> like, wow, everyone point and laugh. <laughs> Jedi Master on the council can't even fucking find his planet. That's like quickly becoming Kermit. I was like running away from Kermit as I was saying that. Oh man. Alright. Oh. Well, have a have a good night, everyone.